0: And moms, we do love you and appreciate you, and we see all that you do to make our lives better, and we hope that you feel truly honored today. Um, You know how churches often will do, you know, the the newest mom or the whatever mom, and this, you know, and just recognize the special moms. This year, we we should have done the mom with the most kids, because Margot Bandy is away. And someone else, for, for the first time in many years, someone else might have had an opportunity to actually uh, get a little, uh, a little gift or something like that for that. Uh, huge thanks again to Brian and, uh, for being here with us. He and his full band. Uh, I think it's great how our band just learned those songs with him literally this morning before service. That's pretty cool. Um, while Brian's band got to sleep in in Halifax literally, and they'll be here uh, this evening, and it's uh, going to be a great night here, and so uh, there's tickets available, and encourage you to pick up tickets, and if you didn't get your mom anything for Mother's Day, there you go, tickets to Brian Dirksen tonight here at Moncton Westland. Well, we're in a series called Shift, which isn't the greatest theme for Mother's Day unless you're buying your mom a motorcycle or a car or something like that for, for Mother's Day, um, it's a vision and core value series, and today we're going to be on core value number two out of six. And I was honestly wondering as Mother's Day was approaching, I'm thinking, okay, i got, I got to do Mother's Day, but we're in this core value series, and how in the world am I going to make all of that jive? And seriously, honestly, the, the text that I just kept coming back to you, and, and God just kept telling me, that's it, go with it, run with it, that's your text for Mother's Day, it is a perfect Mother's Day text, it's the love chapter from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it does both, it's, it's great, it's perfect for Mother's Day, and it's perfect for uh, the core value that we're going to be sharing today, so um, the core value, number two, it's this, it's we're flexible, and I was thinking, you know, that also works, because who on the planet is more flexible than mom? Right, and uh, there with with three toddlers in the room, two dogs, a cat, and a husband, or you know, mom trying to be the taxi driver, uh, running teenagers around, and music, soccer, friends, the mall, movies, dentists, doctors, groceries, paying the bills, and all that stuff. Right, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Right, and who is more flexible? Then mom, I don't know if, it, hopefully you're feeling very flexible today. Uh, I don't know if you are. Are, are you? Are you, you're, No, you're stiff as a boy. Look at you people. Come on. You need, you need to loosen up. Um, I am one of the, literally, one of the most inflexible people on the planet. If God wanted me to touch my toes, he would have put them on my waist. Like, just got nothing. Just not, And uh, thankfully, we're not talking about that today. But, you know, may, maybe we should do like a few minutes of Zumba just to get everybody loosened up. Yes? No? I threaten uh, spontaneous Zumba around the office, and uh, it, it's never happened yet. But, I'll, you know, I'll try to wake everybody up and say, okay, Zumba in the lobby in five minutes. And they never, they never leave their chairs. They don't, they don't even budge. Uh, fortunately, that's not the kind of flexibility that we're talking about today. Uh, and before we get too far, let's recap because we're, we're going to recap every week just to keep this in front of us. Uh, week one we discussed the vision of our church going forward and that this is not something that's going to change every six months this won't change when I get back from some big conference in the states it's not going to change after we read the coolest new book on church growth or something like that yeah this is our vision going forward and you need to have it committed to memory we're going to throw it up here on the big screen and we're going to read it all out loud together here's the vision of Monty Weston are you ready? People invite, you're supposed to say it out loud with me. Are you ready? People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. That's it. It's clear, it's concise, and it's compelling. It's all about people. And we have to live invitational lives and be inviting everyone that we know. And we will create excellent environments where people can see who Jesus really is. And we will follow him with abandon and surrender. That's the vision of our church. Last week, we launched core value number one, and I mentioned that we're not going to put, you know, the, the, the doctrines and the beliefs of the Western Church in general into our core values. That would be redundant. If you want to find those, they're on uh, the denomination website, and you can check those out. So core value number one from last Sunday is this. We're fun. We love creating positive, upbeat environments for you and your family to enjoy. We want you every week to look forward to coming here, I think I think it's a good idea to look forward to coming to church. I don't think that you should dread coming to church, and we want you leaving here with a smile on your face as well, saying that was good. I enjoyed that today. I feel better. I'm glad that I went to church today. Uh, we want you going to work or wherever you're going on Monday morning to be to be talking about this in a positive way, saying this is this is good. It's helpful. I'm enjoying myself there. We want your kids to be counting sleeps until Sunday. Really, truly, I want your kids to be digging secret tunnels to get here during the week. You know, I mean, I just want them just to think, you know, when's the next time? How long do I have to wait until I can get go back to uh, Moncton-Westland? We don't want to be cranky church or angry church or bickering church. That market is already taken. <laughs> we got enough of those. We don't need more of those. Uh, I think, I don't think, I know, and Wesleyan, that we're different and we're going to be different. All right? Okay, yeah. You, you, can, you can applaud. You know the funny thing I learned this morning in the first service about preaching on flexibility is the more you talk about flexibility, the tighter people get. So I, I just need you to stay, stay loose here with me this morning as we, as we talk about this. So I've already told you that core value number two is we're flexible, and here's the definition that goes with it. We're continually experimenting and innovating. It's our way of reflecting our Creator. We're continually experimenting and innovating. It's our way of reflecting our Creator. So let's read our text this morning from 1 Corinthians 13. And I think when I, when I read the part that speaks directly to our core value. I think I think you you're going to catch on. You're going to see it. It's going to jump right off the page. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 beginning in verse 1 where the apostle Paul says, "If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have love or didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith" That I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay, did you see it? It was jumping out at us with with flashing neon letters. In fact, if you stare at it long enough, it'll highlight itself in your Bible, if you just stare at it long enough, and it'll underline. It's in verse 5 where Paul says that real love, true love, Christian love does not demand its own way. There it is. Highlight, 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 underline. Bold, bold, bold. True love, Christian love, real love, does not demand its own way. It's flexible. It's okay when something goes somebody else's way. Love is okay when it doesn't get its own way. It's okay when something is different than how you would do it. When something gets changed, you don't Amp up or ramp up or tighten up or power up and get out that connect card. Where's that connect card? All oh, capital letters, bull boom. Just wait until they find out what I think. About. Where's the pastor's email address? Joyce! I might have blown a gasket on that one. Calm down. Calm down. Relax. This is a place of love. We are a people of love, and love does not demand its own way. Verse 1, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul says, people who don't have love are just, they're just making noise. You, you might have a, a way with words. You might be eloquent. You might be able to write some, some, some you know, really great things. Maybe you have the gift of writing, but if you don't have the same kind of sacrificial love as Jesus Christ, if you don't love others the way that, that God loves you, the way that Jesus loves others, Apostle Paul says, you're just noise. Maybe you're good at arguing. We, we Our oldest child was born arguing. Terrific at it. Maybe you're good at arguing and debating. Maybe you can talk your way out of anything. Paul says if you don't have love, you're just making a racket. I could never talk my way out of anything. I don't. I, I never could, especially with my mom. I could never get anything by my mom. Anyone else like that? Anyone? I mean, I just. I could, maybe I was just bad at it. Some of you are thinking, well, you just, you know, you just needed a little little help with that. Um, how do moms do that? And, and somehow, before you know, back in the day, before everyone had a GPS in their phone. Like back when the phone was still attached to a wall, do you remember that? We used to have phones that had this round dial. It was the craziest thing, and you put your finger on the number that you wanted to call, and you give it a you gave it a spin like this, and it would roll back. You remember? It was it was the craziest thing, and then would it would back then somehow when I when I was out with my friends or whatever wherever wherever I thought I was uh, you know sneaking and she didn't know where I was and I would come home she knew exactly where I was. And she knew who I was with. And I'm thinking, you work for the FBI. Or the KGB. Or something. Like, how, how did you know? How did you do that? And, it, and, and if I tried to, uh, you know, to bluff or budge my way through it, she saw through it every time. Uh, I, I could never talk my way out of anything. Paul says that true love is not just something you say. If you love someone... You will serve them. You will support them. You will do anything for them. There's a good Mother's Day word. There you go, moms, right there. If you love someone, you will serve them. Milk that for all your work this afternoon. I mean, just take that home and preach it. Say, Pastor Tim said that if you love me, you will serve me. You'll do anything for me today. True love will do anything. And then just put your feet up all day long. Get all you can out of that one today, moms. Paul goes on and says, it, Paul says, hey, even if you have spiritual gifts, even if, you can, even if you can understand the mysteries of God that nobody else can understand, if we possess all knowledge, he says, even if you have mountain moving faith, but if you don't have love, Paul says, you're empty. If we give everything we have to the poor, even if we sacrificed our own bodies, Paul says, you're nothing. You're nothing without love. Then in verse four, it changes, and he starts to tell us what true love is. And if your mom is with you right now, go ahead and do this. Take her hand and thank her for some of the some of the things that that Paul mentioned in First Corinthians thirteen. Uh, if your mom is with you, or if the, if the mother of your children, if you're sitting beside her, grab her hand, okay? And thank her for these things. If your mom's here, thank your mom for being patient with you. If you are alive, your mom was patient with you. <laughs> Grandkids are the reward for not killing your children. Thank her for her kindness to you. Thank her that she was not jealous with you, that she shared you with others. Thankful, thank her for not being boastful about herself. See, moms don't talk about themselves. They can't stop talking about their kids and their grandkids, but they don't talk about themselves. You know, my little Johnny broke a dish on the floor this morning, and, and it looked just like the face of Jesus. I put it on Pinterest. I, I've got 76 pictures. I called CNN. They're getting back to me. It's going to be on live at 5 this week. He's such a special child. (laughs) And right there in the middle of our text, in the middle of verse 5, look at it again. If you stare at it long enough, it'll bold itself. Paul says this, that real love, the true love, the Christian love, does not demand its own way. You know, one of the defining characteristics of Moncton Wesleyan over the years is that it, this place has been, we have been an innovating church. It's part of our DNA. This isn't anything new. That's why, you know, the, the fact that this place has always changed and we've always talked about change and we've, we've just, you know, we've, we've been out on the, the front of that as much as possible over the years. That's why I find it interesting and fascinating sometimes when we, when we announce that we're going to change something or we're going to do something new and people start throwing themselves off the balcony or they want to throw me off the balcony. And I, and I, I just, I, I, scratch my head. I've got no hair left. And I think I, I find that interesting because we, we've talked about change around here for, for, for many, many years. And part of our God-given responsibility Okay, you need to hear this. You need to be, need to be reminded of this. Part of the God given responsibility that 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 He's given to to our church is that we would be an innovating church, a place of innovation that helps all the churches in Atlantic Canada attempt great things for God. Okay, that's part of who we are. All right. So we we can we can't back away from that. We can't shy away from that. We need to own that. We need to say, okay, God has put us in this position for a reason. And and we've got to keep going on that. Uh, A few reasons that churches should innovate. Uh, I'm just going to throw these out quick bullet points. Number one, innovation reminds us that the church is a living, breathing body. It's a reflection of new life. The church can't stay the same. It, it always has to be changing because that's, that's, what, that's what God does. Number two, innovation gives an outlet to artists and creatives. You know, the, the people who just, just want to design something. You know they just got to gotta create something new all the time. Well, innovation gives them an outlet for that. Uh, a third one, innovation reinforces a culture where we date the methods and marry the vision. It reinforces a culture where we date the methods and we marry the vision. In other words, every time that we start something or initiate something or create something, we can't institutionalize that. You can't say, okay, now, now we started that this week, and we have to do that until Jesus comes back. Okay? You got, those are just methods, and you just need to date the methods, and they'll work for a season, and then we'll, we'll say, thank you, God bless you, now it's time to do something new, and we, but we stay married to the vision, and date the methods okay uh, another one innovation provides new opportunities for outreach and inviting the, all these new ways and things that we can think of that will help us reach new people another one innovation will keep us young huh nobody wants to be young all right it'll keep us young resist change and you will risk you will risk losing a generation I'll back that up. Say it again. If you resist change, you will risk losing a generation. And we've seen this to be true. We've seen this to be true. Oh, time and time and time again, where a bunch of people said, that's it, no more change. And then eventually you tap the for sale sign out in front of the building, okay? Um, last one, innovation creates Anticipation. Because you never know what's going to happen. I just love that. I I just love the idea of, of, you know, coming to church with, with expectation and thinking, I wonder what they're going to do today. I wonder what God's going to do today. I love that. Rather than, I bet it's going to be the same old, same old thing. Churches don't drift towards innovation. They drift towards fossilization. You don't drift towards innovation. Like, You're not getting cooler and cooler all the time. Even if you think you are, ask your kids. They'll tell you. Ask your grandkids. They'll say, what? Right? You're you're not drifting towards innovation naturally. You have to work at it. You have to be intentional about it. And churches do not drift towards innovation. They drift towards fossilization. Most of us aren't naturally Flexible in our preferences—we just aren't. That's, we we like what we like. I want what I want, and, and that's that's the way that I am. That's the way most of us are. That's why Paul reminded us not to demand our own way. You see, when we get, when you get comfortable in anything—not just church, anything that you get comfortable in—what you want to do is you want to you want to pull the chain on the bus and say, "I'm I'm, I'm good right here here." I'm good right here. Pull over and let me off. I found my comfort zone. Stop the bus. Young people looking at me like, what's a chain on a bus? They don't even ride the bus sometimes. Just keep pulling the chain. It's a lot of fun. Um, And you pull the chain and you go off the bus wherever you're comfortable. Some of you stopped updating your home in 1963. Right. That 63 was a great time for you and you liked 63. And so you stopped updating your home in 1963. I remember walking into my grandparents home was like walking into a it was like stepping back into time. It was like walking into a a, a time warp or something like that. And we, you know, you would look at things because there was back in the day and age when you actually kept things. When something broke, you fixed it rather than replaced it. And so, you know, it was just kind of a, just kind of a neat, you look around and they just had all the, all the the coolest stuff. Some of you stopped changing your wardrobe style in 1982. Right? Short shorts and tube socks up to your knees. That's okay. That's all right. But no generation has the authority to pull the plug of innovation in the church. Okay. No generation can say, you know, that the change, that the church has changed since the time of Jesus, but it's not going to change on my watch. It's, it's, this is it. This is the end of change in the church. It stops with me. No more. That's it. You know, when you do that, all your teenagers will be in their 70s. And your days will be numbered. Now, I think, I think this next thing I'm going to say, I hope, I hope this will be really, really helpful to, to a lot of you. Okay. And I, and I, I'm your pastor, and I love you, and I, I, I hope this is going to be helpful to a lot of you. Here it is. You don't have to like everything. I, I hope this is freeing to you. I'm not because, because you might be hearing this thinking, yeah, but I don't like everything. You, be free. You hear me say this. Hear me shout this. Okay, you don't have to like everything. It's impossible to like everything. If you stayed home at the first church of me, myself, and I, you'll eventually have a church split, and that will hurt. If you're the only person there, that'll hurt. There are no churches where you can go, where you're going to like everything. You can, you can church hop all over. You can go every, wherever you're going to go. And you're going to like something for a few weeks. And then you're going to say, I don't like that. And you're going to go there. And you're going to like something for a few weeks. And then you're going to say, I don't like that. You, you, you can't find a place because churches are full of people. Right. There, so it's just it's just not going to happen. So you may as well just stop at a, stop the hop at a church that is, uh, you know, preaching God's word, that where lives are being changed, where people are coming to Jesus Christ, where all of the teenagers are not in their 70s. But don't expect to like everything. I don't like everything. There's, there's stuff that gets changed around here all the time that, that, that I don't like. But what happens is that when something changes that you don't like... You might feel as though you need to be, to be vocal about that. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a, a, a noisy gong. I'm going to be a clanging cymbal. I'm going to make a racket around here. But you don't need to be vocal about everything. Did you know, did you know that you can have an opinion about something and not share it with anyone? Did you know that? Did you, did you know did you know you don't have to share your opinions about everything with 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 Did you know that most of the people you're sharing your opinion with, they don't even they don't care. They don't, they, don't even want it. they don't even want to hear it. Did you know it's possible to have an opinion about something and not say anything? Try it. It's great. You can just swallow it. You can just, you know, you can just eat your opinion. You don't have to you don't have to share it. Be thankful. Come on, be thankful that you have a church that is committed to innovating and experimenting and changing in order that we might see more changed lives for Jesus Christ, all right? So when, when we're flexible, when we're, when, we're, when we're pliable, when we're moldable, we're submitting to the Creator's work in our lives. God wants to constantly shape us and, and form us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And so a church that's doing that and a people that are doing that, it's a reflection of the transformation that God can do of all of us. I think, you know, if, if you're talking to someone about, you know, the change that Jesus can make in your life and then they actually go to church, but the church hasn't changed for 50 years or 100 years, don't you think there's something a little mixed in, in, that, in that message? I I think that there is. The church can renew. The church can create. The church can be flexible in ways that demonstrate that our God is constantly doing new things in people's lives. Jesus said, yeah, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, he said, behold, I'm making all things new. And then someone said, not in my church or not. Behold, I'm making all things new. New. Well, if that's true, we need to shift our thinking. And frankly, we need to shift into higher gears of acceleration on change and innovation in the church. Don't hit the brakes, but shift into higher gears on this stuff. We need to celebrate the new that God is doing in people's lives and stay open to the ways that God wants us to change, that God wants to use us to to see uh, change in our community. We also need to shift the our thinking in our own lives? How is my life being transformed? What kind of changes is, is God making in my life to make me more like Jesus? You are, if you're if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be becoming more and more like Him, like Christ all the time. What kind of changes is Jesus making in me? Mothers know, moms know all too well how fast... Their kids grow. Uh, our kids are uh, 17 and 14. And the oldest, uh, Hope, graduates this year. And it just seems crazy. Autumn is 14. The first time we came to Moncton Wesleyan to be on staff here, uh, Autumn was. we came house shopping and Autumn was three days old. What are you thinking when you take a three-day-old kid? Ch- Anyhow, we did. And so that's how fast... Uh, that they grow. Moms know these stages seem to go by so quickly. If, if a child stops developing, if you have a child that stops growing, or they stop developing, that's cause for serious alarm. Like you, you're taking that kid to the hospital. You're, ta- you're getting that kid to a doctor. You're, you're, you're not just, oh, well, let's just wait and see. Let's just, <laughs> let's just, let's just watch. You're like, yeah! You know, we got to do something about this. This is very, very, very serious. And your spiritual life, our spiritual lives are no different. You're meant to grow. You're designed to grow, to change, to be transformed, to become more like Christ all all along. You're not not meant to stay on uh, milk and pablum forever. You're not meant to be spoon-fed forever. You're meant to, to grow. We're designed to develop as followers of Jesus as we follow Him in obedience and surrender. A Christian who isn't growing or developing that's cause for serious alarm. Like if you're here and, and, and you know that there was a time when you made that decision to follow Christ, but you're not seeing growth in your spiritual life, you should be you should be disturbed by that. You should be not happy with that. You should be bothered by that. What are the areas of your life where you stopped growing? What are the changes that you know you've needed to make and, and you haven't made? Them? Maybe you come in every Sunday and God speaks to you about something, a change that you know needs to be made, and somehow you just manage to to you know to you know ignore it and get out of here without making the change. What what are those things that the Holy Spirit speaking to you say, Okay, can we make that change today? Can we do that today? It's one thing to resist change in the church. But it's far more serious to resist the change that the Holy Spirit wants to make in our lives. I'm going to finish um, I'm gonna wrap this up this morning a little bit differently and do something different. It is Mother's Day. And uh, the band's going to come back out. They're going to lead us in another great song that Brian Brian wrote. And I want to finish today by, by praying for all the ladies in our church. I think it would be a good thing to do that. And what I'd like for you to do um, is I'd like for you to reach out and take the hand of a lady. Uh, who's any, any lady, that's, if you're sitting close enough to one, reach out and, and take their hand. It'll be a little creepy for, for a few minutes. <laughs> and we don't do this very often. And if you're visiting or if you know someone who's visiting, you can tell them, he never does this, honest. We don't, we don't do this every week. This is really weird. Um, A lot I'd like us to do this morning is, is to pray for uh, the women in our lives. To pray for the ladies, these special gifts. Ladies, we recognize the special role that you play in our lives. We recognize your strength and your courage and all the small and big things that you do to enrich our lives, to make our lives better. We want to say today that we love you. We're thankful for you and we're going to pray for God's greatest blessings in every area of your life. So let's pray for the ladies this morning. Lord, this morning what a privilege it is to right now be able to thank you for the women of this church, the ladies, the girls of this church. And just to say that we we recognize today what a what a special gift they are. We recognize, Lord, that you have you have gifted them in in very unique and special ways, they 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 see things that we don't see. They they are tuned into things in their spirit at, at just a different level, Lord, than than the men are. And you've given them a special uh, special gifts and talents, Lord, that we just need to recognize and just simply say thank you for the ways that you make our lives better. Thank you for for the things that you do that that. Most of those things go so unnoticed day to day. Thank you for the ways that you add value to our lives. Thank you for your, your leadership. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for for being women of, of God. Thank you for being fearless. Thank you for, for, for being glue in the family and being a rock in the family in so many ways. Thank you for, for what you mean to us. We love uh, the ladies, the women. We love you today. And we just thank you for uh, the, the, the way that we see Jesus in you. God, I pray for these women today that you would help them to see what a special gift they are from you, what they mean to you. I pray that you would help them to see their value today. I pray, Lord, that you would help them uh, to not... Uh, I pray that you, you would remove thoughts of, of, of negativity or, or insecurity out of their lives that you would just speak to their heart today and say, you are my child. I love you just the way that you are. And, uh, and, and you have great worth. You have great value uh, to Jesus today. Lord, for anyone who's here today who does not know you as their Savior, maybe they hear us speaking about these things. Maybe your, your Holy Spirit is speaking to them right now and they realize they don't have a relationship with you. I pray that you'd give them the courage right now To simply say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are God's son. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you're alive. You rose again and you're here right now. And Jesus, in this moment, this opportunity, I want to simply say, come into my life. I'm accepting you today as my savior. And and this is not just words. It's not just a checkbox. This is me saying, Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my life. I'm asking you to forgive every wrong, every sin I've ever done. And I will serve you. I will live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.